fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. It's a pre-Friday celebration, one of the best days of the entire week. Welcome into the show. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. You know, I have to admit, there is a certain job out there in the world, in the wild, wild world that is the United States of America, where I would love to have a job where you could only do like 19 to 20% of your job. (laughs) Here's what I mean. Imagine this, if you will. Now, you're driving home for work, probably many of you, or if you listen to this on the podcast on different times, but close your eyes for a second, unless you're driving, but close your eyes for a second and imagine through the theater of the mind that you get to work from home, no matter what your job is, you get to work from home totally, 110%, full on, don't have to wear like suit and tie, can wear your jammas, get to work from home. You get all of your job done at home. You don't have to go anywhere. And you only answer the phone up to 20% of the time. Like you're getting phone calls into your office and you're like, you know, I just don't feel like answering that one. I'm going to turn the ringer off and get back to uh, having adult beverages or reading books or taking naps, whatever your flavor is when you're sitting at home doing a whole lot of nothing. Imagine if you will, you have a full-time job that allows you to do that. Then you get bonuses and you get pay increases and they're expanding that job to where more people are going to have that opportunity to do so. Ladies and gentlemen, I am of course talking about the Internal Revenue Service. Yeah, hold on here. Imagine, if you will, again, this same entity that's getting to do that work from home, only answer the phone 20% of the time, expand that base, whatever, get a whole lot more money. They're the ones that are telling you that if you run a business and if you own a business that we need to audit you because you're probably trying to steal money a.k.a. not pay taxes on certain money by trying to keep it under the rug or not trying to file it or trying to pay it through contract work instead of actual employees or whatever they try to do uh, where they say that you're creating loopholes in the system and not having to pay your fair share because if you don't pay your fair share, then you're probably some evil Nazi capitalist that's trying to keep your own money and how dare you? You need to be paying it to the government to pay the wages of the ever-increasing government that's probably sitting at home not doing a whole lot and getting contract work that uh, they only answer the phone 20% of the time. I'm not exaggerating either. This was according to ATR, the Americans for Tax Reform. There was a story where the head of the IRS and the Senate was testifying in the Senate Finance Committee. This was, as of earlier today, uh, Charles Reddick. He is the IRS commissioner that said that 53%, over the half of the agency's employees, are actually working full-time from home. It started with COVID. Now they're like, why do we need a big office building where we just have cubicles of people calling on people and saying we're going to audit you or answering questions for people that are having trouble you know, filing their taxes or something? Which, by the way, that deadline is a week from tomorrow, just FYI, if you're still trying to file your taxes, April 15th. No, there's not an extension this year because of COVID-19. That deadline is there, and if you don't file those taxes, then by golly, those people that are working from home full-time, they're going to be coming after you because they're going to be really, really upset that you didn't file on time. But those guys, eh, 
they can take a little laxidated approach. As they also said, according to the ATR.org, Americans for Tax Reform, uh, on an unrelated note regarding the 53% of employees that are working full-time telework capacity, according to Reddick, the rest of the employees either have a blended capacity or they are on-site completely. Uh, on an unrelated statement, according to the article, he said the agency is only picking up the phone 19 to 20% of the time. Boy, does it, wouldn't it be nice to have a government job like that? I only choose that if, if you ran a business and you only answered the phone 20% of the time, how much business would you potentially be losing? Regardless of what kind of business you have, whether it's a, you know, a truck driving company, whether it's a retail store, whether it's an online store, whether it's a customer service store, whatever it is, if you only answered the phone 20% of the time, how much revenue would you be losing? But yet the government, yeah, I know you guys are trying to answer, trying to ask questions and trying to figure out how to file your taxes. We're only going to answer the phone when we choose to do so, probably around 20% of the time. This is the same agency that the Biden administration's wanting to triple in size and sink a bunch of money in so they can do more audits into the private sector to make sure you are working as efficiently as you need to because, by golly, the government is going to be holding you accountable for what you do in the private sector. Welcome into the show. We have a lot to get to today. I found that story kind of fascinating because that's government quality work for you while they expect us to be up to the T on our filings and our paperwork and how we file our taxes and what we do with our taxes. And if you miss any or if you don't pay enough, then by golly, we're going to come down and shut you down because you didn't follow the rules. Idiots. All right. Bottom of the hour, we have Lance Azumi. He is with the Pacific Research Institute. We had him on a few months ago. He wrote the book, The Homeschool Boom. We're going to talk about some of the issues going on with public education. Now, we always get some heat when we talk about public education and homeschooling of, uh, Andy, you're against the teachers. By golly, I am not against the teachers. The teachers, I feel so bad for you in the public education system because you guys are the ones that majoritively across the nation are forced to join teachers' unions, forced to join the union that does not represent you in any way, shape, or form, tells you how to vote, tries to give you crap that you don't actually need, doesn't actually look out for your best interest, doesn't look out for the children's interest, interest either they look out for their own interest and then uh, they kind of screw up the quality of the education system so why are people going homeschooling why are people going into the micro schooling why are people doing the virtual learning because they're tired of the public education system point in case with what's going on right now with the teaching of gender identities and sexual orientations in the first and second and third grade levels across the nation where states like, oh, I don't know, Florida and other states like Texas and other states like Iowa and other states like Kansas and other states all over are saying, wait a second, no, we're not actually going to be teaching that because that's not okay. You don't need to be talking about your gender orientation as a teacher. Yes, you want to be personal with your kids. That's cool. You don't need to be talking about your significant other. My golly, I'm trying to remember back in my day. I don't remember my teachers ever talking about their personal life. And we wanted them to. We wanted to have like that, hey, I'm really cool with the teacher. We're buddy-buddy. We're BFFs. They didn't talk about them at all. Talk about their personal life. Maybe they told some stories that would relate to the topic they were teaching, but not just like, oh, my gosh, can you believe? I mean, this is not a South Park episode of Mr. Garrison coming to the classroom and talking about his love life in class to the, to the second graders and third graders. That's not what we do in our classrooms. You don't need to be confusing the kids about what gender they need to be because, well, if you're confused, then we need to have a discussion as opposed to, hey, this is a very simple case of this is what you are, and uh, that's it, point in case, end of story. It's a wild world today, and why are people leaving the public education system? Probably a lot to do with that. So we'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. Uh, plus, we have 
uh, different, uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe, uh, it's, uh, us doing relatively well in the elections coming up in the midterms, especially with school boards over the nation, largely due to this issue. So even if many parents or teachers can't go to private schooling, then you know what? This is our way of cleaning up the public education system, becoming teachers, running for the local school boards, holding the school boards accountable, showing up even when you get called a crazy Nazi fascist for showing up and challenging the school board and uh, just fighting them left and right. That's what we do. So we'll talk about all that and more. In a little bit. The big news of the day, of course, that made the headlines just a little bit ago. What's trending today? Which we unfortunately said was going to happen. Katanji Brown Jackson has been voted officially by the U.S. Senate to officially be the next Supreme Court justice for the United States Supreme Court. That vote came in with a total vote of, if I can find it here, 53 votes in the affirmative. Not necessarily what I wanted. There was more of a. 53 to 47 was the final confirmation vote. The three Republicans, of course, that voted for them were the ones that we mentioned yesterday, which included Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski, the hack wannabe Republicans that pretend to be Republican, but yet are no Republicans in any way, shape, or form. They say, well, we vote with Republicans 60, 70% of the time, but that's on the non-important, just regular issues that don't mean anything. On the actual votes that do mean something, they side with Democrats 90% of the time. It's sad. It's pathetic. But here we are. Here's what I say because I'm always the eternal optimist. Democrats, have your day. Have your day. You know what? You won a battle. There's no way that you won the war in any way, shape, or form, but you won the battle because you're replacing an extreme left-wing progressive justice with another extreme left-wing progressive justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. So you didn't gain anything. You were just able to maintain, good for you, have your victory. It's going to be short-lived. I'm telling you, the support going into the midterm elections is going to be out of this world for the Republicans and I'm super excited about it. Point in case, the latest special elections that happened in Waukeshi, uh, Waukeshi is that how you pronounce it? Out of uh, out of Wisconsin, uh, Waukeshi School Board, out of the three seats that were open, all three of them went to conservative Republicans wanting to overturn some of the COVID mandate, wanting to change some of the policies, get rid of the critical race theory, wanting to get rid of some of the sexual orientation classes going on and gender identification stuff, the wanting to get rid of some of the book bans that were going in place in the school district. Major win in all three of the seats went to the Republicans that were running in that seat. That's huge, according to Fox News. That's a big race. Now, that goes in tail with what happened in November of last year with the governor's race in Virginia and some of the school board races that we saw in Virginia as well. It's a trend. It's the snowball that's gaining momentum going into the midterm elections in this year. I'm telling you, Democrats, enjoy the sweet victory today. That's not really a victory for you. It's just kind of a maintaining victory because it's going to be short-lived. You're not going to see a whole lot of that coming in November of 2022 because right now there are so many angry people, especially with what's happening with Disney right now and the public education in general, what's happening at the southern border with the illegal immigration, with the inflation rates, with the gas prices, with the war in Ukraine. You have yet to win on policy. You've won on ramming through a very left-wing progressive to replace a very radical left-wing progressive. That's all that you've done. And they, saw, of course, showed the pictures of Joe Biden and uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson sitting there in the White House watching the TV of the Senate, doing the vote and hugging and celebrating and, and doing their thing. You know what? Do it. Do it. 
And Republicans, especially you that are the moderate, middle-of-the-road Republicans that voted for the confirmation of Katanji Brown-Jackson, get ready because we're coming for you. And the this election and the next election, it doesn't matter. These moderate Republicans are getting weeded out of the party. If you remember, there were a lot more of them during the Trump administration, and they've kind of whittled themselves out. There are very few of those moderate Republicans left. There's, there's just not. Now, Andy, we like moderate Republicans. We like moderate candidates. We just read the report yesterday about how moderate politicians are the most popular politicians in the country, which, (laughs) uh, yeah. It is totally absurd. Uh, That kind of is just a little bit. What's been in the news lately, even from the progressive side, what's been the big talking? Of course, uh, uh, Kamala Harris, which is a radical left progressive. Bernie Sanders, which has tried numerous times to get the presidency. Joe Biden, who is in no way a moderate in any way, shape, or form. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer. None of those guys are moderates in any way, shape, or form. And yet, those are the ones that are talked about. Those are the popular ones that never seem to go away. Kind of the thorn in our sides a little bit. On the other hand, for the Republican side, they want them to be the moderates that are like the Mitt Romneys, like the Susan Collins, like the Lisa Murkowskis. Your day has come, and we will find you at the voting booth, and we will vote you out and get you out of office because we are purifying, not purifying, we are cleaning up the party, cleaning out the dirt that continues to corrupt us, that continues to fight against us internally with our own party, and we're done with it. So enjoy your victory today, moderate Republicans and Democrats. But the midterm elections, there will be a red tsunami that just wipes you off the face of the earth because we are done with your crap. And it's coming very soon. Lots to get to today. It's the voice reason for a pre-Friday celebration. Stay right here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Andy Hoosier here, reminding you, not only can you listen to The Voice of Reason on your favorite radio station, but also check out the video of the program on TV and online. We're excited to be working with our partners over at OpsLens to bring The Voice of Reason live every day on their website at OpsLens.com, on the OpsLens app that you can download on any of your smartphones, or on any of the OpsLens social media. It's a great network that broadcasts multiple shows promoting truth, reason, and common sense, reaching thousands of viewers every day, all day long. Plus, while you're there, you can always watch some of the best highlights of the show during the weekends or read our latest opinion columns on topical issues of the day. Also, if you want to interact with me during the program, just leave a comment on their social media or the OpsLens app stream. You can always join the live chat rooms, or if it's easier, just email me at network at gmail.com. Again, that's network at gmail.com. This is your show, and we want to hear from you. Why? Because it's time for you to be your own voice of reason in your own community. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at network at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at hoosierreason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at network at gmail.com or find our contact information at hoosierreason.com. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You want some more reason throughout the day? Well, now it's easier than ever to find. Here's what you do. Check out the website at HoosierReason.com. There you can find past shows, links to all of our social media, special features, our monthly blogs, and a heck of a lot more. Plus, make sure to check in frequently as we're constantly working to add more goodies that you'll really enjoy. Also, you can always subscribe and follow our social media sites for bonus content, articles that we use on the show, or maybe some additional rants. Yeah, it's all that and so much more. Check it all out at HoosierReason.com. 
Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I know I've said this many times before, but as many of you know as listeners, I'm always an eternal optimist. Always find the bright side, always find the positive side of things, whether it's the optimism where we have opportunity to grow, whether it's the good stuff that's actually going on. I'm just a happy-go-lucky kind of guy, which is very strange personality to be in the world of politics. <laughs> so I've been told, at least. Andy, you're not supposed to be that happy and cheerful when you're in politics. It's very emotional. It's very angering. It's very frustrating. I get it. But we try to break it down to be like, oh, okay, you know what? That makes sense. We still have an opportunity. We still have a chance. We still can do something good here. And that's what I'm here to do. So welcome back into the show, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. While we go into the midterm elections, I want to remind you of a few things. And while they try to do this big victory of, oh, look, we won a Supreme Court justice again with Katanji Brown-Jackson, we can actually, I mean, they're not going to be able to change a whole lot. We still have a semi-conservative majority in our uh, Supreme Court for the most part. I mean, we still have a few that are, you know, a little waffling, a couple issues. But overall, we do relatively well, at least better than what we have in the past, which is good news. But even if, let's just say that the Democrats do somehow get a majority in the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. They say that Clarence Thomas, because he had the medical issues and he hasn't been there to do some of the hearings, that we need to boot him off and put somebody else in, which I'm sure they would try. I wouldn't put it past them if they actually tried something like that, which doesn't make any sense because they didn't do the same thing with their progressive candidates that were in the hospital and, you know, broke a hip and were in there and didn't even like show up at all to even do hearings. At least Clarence Thomas was doing it virtually and listening to some of the debates that way. But let's just say that they get a majority. What can we do about it? Andy, that's the worst case scenario. The Supreme Court would be back in their hands. They'd be able to ram through all of this stuff as constitutional, right? I would like to remind you that nationwide right now, out of all the state legislatures at, at the statewide levels, we have 32 Republican-led Senates and 18 majority Senates for Democrats. 32 to 18 when it comes to state Senate legislatures in the nation. Uh, like number of chambers, how many states actually have a majority? 32 Republican majority senators, uh, Senates, and 18 Democrat. In the House representatives across the states in the nation, 30 are Republican and 18 are Democrat. Governors right now, 28 Republican governors, 22 Democrat governors. We still hold a majority at the local levels in the states. Now, regardless of whether they want to accept and acknowledge the 10th Amendment, meaning that whatever uh, constitutionally was not intended to be at the federal level is supposed to by default go back to the states to make their own laws, make their own decisions. Regardless whether they want to accept that or not, we have not only state legislatures that are above the majority nationwide to fight some of this stuff, we also have attorney generals at the statewide levels that are fighting it legally. We have district courts that are starting to do a little bit more conservative after Trump nominated a whole bunch of judges across the nation over his four-year term and reign in office. We have ways to stop this stuff. At the end of the day, we could go straight non-compliance as a state as well, because what the heck is the federal government going to do when a state says, sorry, we're not going to comply with your crap? It makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, we could fight this stuff. It comes down to the fact that you and I as conservatives, we have the majority. We are the silent majority. We still have the majority in numbers. And when all of us just say no, 
Remember the old adage of the drugs? Just say no. The D.A.R.E. program, just say no. Uh, if we do that against government policy, just say no. No, we're not going to go with your mandated vaccine mandates. No, we're not going to go with mask mandates again. No, we're not going to go with your crazy higher taxes again or your crazy regulations. No, no, no. When all the businesses stand up and just say no together as a unified voice, the government becomes powerless. The tyrant is only powerful in a tyrannical system when the people go along with it based on the politics of fear based on the politics of uh, being worrisome with the propaganda that goes on, based on the brainwashing that goes on. They're only powerful when the people comply, when we just ignore it because we realize it bridges the constitutional infringements on the government, then there's nothing they can do. We have that power. And guess what? Republicans were really, 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 really good at focusing on the grassroots campaigns. The local school boards, the statewide school boards of education, the state legislatures, the state governors, the state attorney generals, the state secretary of states. We have those powers and the Democrats can't stop that. Good luck with it. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You know, when I get off the air every day, the battle for me against limited government censorship and even unfactual content is far from over. That's why now I'm so happy to say that the Hoosier Media Network is giving you more opportunity to catch the voice of reason along with other great shows and podcasts. It's been a long time in the works, and now you can finally enjoy more great content, services, and topical shows. We're the safe space for alternative talk, information, and ideas that the mainstream media absolutely hates. From holistic and alternative medicine, discussions on religion and spirituality, hear entertainment shows, and of course yours truly with the voice of reason. Plus, we offer numerous media services, including helping you set up your own podcast, become your own voice of reason, and bring your expertise to any fun issue or topic. For information on all of our shows, links to podcasts, each show website or social media link, or to find out about everything we do to challenge the mainstream establishment, visit our website at HoosierMedia.com. Again, that's HoosierMedia.com, the future of media. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. <laughs> Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a pre-Friday celebration. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. I saw one of the comments on the social media in the live feed, which you can find, by the way. You can find my social media at Hoosier Reason. That's H-O-O-S-E-R Reason on any of your favorite podcasts. Uh, podcasting site well also your social media sites as well it's the same handle on every one of them yeah we're awesome like that we we're able to make it consistent between facebook and twitter and youtube and tiktok and instagram and getter and ourfreedombook.com i'm still waiting on the truth social i'm waiting for my activation code but we're on there as well all of it at who's your reason we'll also share out the feed on there through the ops lens video stream and uh, was watching some of the comments on there. Someone said, Andy, there's no way that you can stay this positive because I am. I'm an eternal optimist. I'm always positive for the most part. I get angry and cranky once in a while. Most of it's hangry a lot of the times, but there is whatever. But they're like, Andy, there's no way that you could stay so positive with the Biden administration in office. Which, <laughs> I mean, it is difficult at times, but trust me, there's always an opportunity for us to be able to uh, expose what's going on and be able to move forward with our agenda. Talking of, and speaking of, super happy to have this guy back on the program. 
What's trending today? Last time we had him on the show, it's been a few months uh, ago, we got great response from you, the listener. I love chatting with him, and we had to get him back on for a full half hour here. He is the Senior Director of the Center for Education at the Pacific Research Institute. He's also author of the book, The Homeschool Boom. Really happy to have back on the program with us here, Lance Izumi with us here. Lance, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Andy. I'm doing even greater that I'm back on your show. Oh, it's so good to have you back on. I love the conversation we had before because this is, uh, and we mentioned this last time, I'm telling you, this topic on schooling, public education, homeschooling, parents having a say again in their kids' education, number one, it's good to hear us actually be involved in our kids' education again, but this is a topic that's leading us as a major focal point going into midterm elections of this year, don't you think? Oh, absolutely, Andy. And it's really interesting because, you know, oftentimes, even though education is such an important part of our society, oftentimes as an issue, uh, certainly when it comes to elections, it's usually down on the list of priorities of voters. But now, this year, you're going to see uh, education being right up there with the economy and other top issues as a reason why people are going to go out to vote and certainly determining how they vote. Because I think uh, when you look at the number of really red-hot, you know, hot button issues that are motivating people right now, Uh, education issues such as the curriculum that parents are just totally fed up with, the indoctrination they're seeing in the classroom, and the lack of choice and uh, opportunity to choose what type of education that they have uh, for their children is uh, just really, I think, sickening to so many parents that it's going to really drive them and determine how they're going to vote in this upcoming election. Amen to that. I mean, obviously, the biggest topic that's been floating around lately has been this uh, "quote unquote" gay bill out of Florida, which isn't a gay bill, and that's really that's another discussion as well. But the the fighting from Disney and the voice that we have, and should we be teaching sexual orientation, gender identification to second and third graders, which blew my mind. I mean, my daughter's seven years old; she's about ready to finish up second grade right now. I couldn't imagine her coming home and being like, oh, yeah, you know what, uh, Dad, you're you're gender appropriating because you're assuming someone's gender. If I heard her say that, I don't know what I would do. Well, absolutely right, uh, Andy, because, you know, children at that age, I mean, I, I'm sure that uh, you and I and everybody else in your listening audience remembers, you know, uh, when we were very young, I mean, we weren't able to make decisions about those sorts of things, you know, at such a young age. I mean, we were deciding, you know, what kind of game we would like to play at recess. Yeah. That was the big decision of the day. And so, you know, for um, uh, children to be confronted, A, with those issues, but then also be guided to a certain conclusion, and this is the worst thing, is not only are they uh, being uh, taught and uh, being forced to face these issues that are certainly not age-appropriate, but also they're being guided by teachers oftentimes in order to reach a predetermined conclusion that um, really conforms not so much with the child's uh, wants or needs, but with the uh, teacher's political positions. That's when I think you know parents say, hey, what is going on here? This is not what uh, I'm sending my kid to school for. And when you hear teachers often say, hey, you know, uh, they refer to the kids in their classroom as my children, they're not their children. Yeah. They're the parents' children. You know, they, the teachers have, uh, you know, uh, the, the opportunity to teach the kids uh, for a certain amount of the day. But in the end, those kids are the parents' ki- uh, children, and they're not uh, wards of the state. 
And so, therefore, uh, when parents uh, hear what's going on in the classroom now with all this indoctrination, whether it's sexual politics, identity politics, uh, you just name it, then it's like that's not why the public schools are in existence. That's not why people pay their taxes. They pay their taxes in order to have their children read, write, do arithmetic, and all the basic subjects, not to become, uh, you know, uh, uh, indoctrinated automatons of the deep state in education. It's wild. Where did that agenda specifically, with the gender identification, the sexual orientation stuff, where did that agenda come from, and when did this start? I mean, your other, you had another book, you know, The Corrupt, uh, the corrupt Classroom, uh, and this isn't, by the way, an attack on teachers in general. This is the radical activists that feel like they want to brainwash the young children that have infiltrated the, the school system, unfortunately. But when did this come in to be the focal point of, hey, this is the main topic that we need to be cramming down the throats of young children? Because to me, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, I think that's a really good question, Andy, because, you know, I think a lot of people right now, they, they are asking the same thing. Hey, how did this all happen? It seems to have just uh, exploded within the last year or two that, uh, you know, all of a sudden you've got this uh, incredible indoctrination going on in the classroom. I mean, did that just happen within, over COVID? Was that the reason why this happened? And actually, that's not true. Uh, if you look, and I, I've written on this topic actually over uh, not just uh, that book you re- referred to, a corrupt classroom, which was put out uh, a few years ago. But actually, I've written about this uh, indoctrination issue over the past two decades. And if you look, for example, where this whole thing really starts, oftentimes it really starts back in the uh, teacher training programs at uh, universities. And so I, I wrote a, a, a study for my institute, the Pacific Research Institute, about 20 years ago that looked at the teacher training programs at uh, the major California State University programs. And what I found, and when you looked at and analyzed the teaching uh, curriculum, the, the curriculum that these prospective teachers were being force-fed, it was the same type of um, very left-wing identity politics type of uh, text that these teachers were being made to swallow. And so, you know, it's not unsurprising, therefore, that once these teachers uh, go out into uh, the classroom, that they would bring along a lot of this ideological baggage that they learned back in their teacher training programs. Not all, definitely not all, but certainly uh, uh, a certain percentage of them. And those oftentimes are the most vociferous ones who want to then impose their ideological agenda on the rest of the teachers at the school and certainly on the children in their classroom. Yeah. Uh, we talk a lot about the actual, you know, the teachers that are being the activists. We talk a lot about the system in general. What would be your message to the other teachers who actually went in with the good mindset of I actually do want to help the children that not only have to fight the now the uh, the general attitude of some of these activists, but then the teachers union itself, the bureaucratic state and the administration of the school boards and the teachers unions and, and every other administrator that's in a public school district right now. What do you say to those teachers that are still actually trying to do the right thing? Because I would say the majority of teachers really are trying to do the right thing. And I say a lot of them are actually the victims to the teachers union and the administration that won't let them do their job properly. No, that's right. That's right. I I do think that you may have a silent majority of teachers who really uh, do not like uh, this uh, 
ideological agenda that they're being forced to uh, dish out in their classrooms, again, whether it's identity politics or whether it's sexual politics, they don't support that. They want to go back to teaching the kids uh, what the parents want, you know, uh, the basic subjects. But they're being forced because of these activists, uh, both, uh, you know, in the unions and in uh, local and state governments to um, implement this ideological agenda. I think that one of the things that teachers who are in the profession can take a uh, cue from are actually the parents. Because you look at what's happening across the country, you're seeing parents who are banding together to fight this uh, ideological agenda. They're fighting this politicized uh, curriculum. They're fighting uh, these efforts by school boards and school districts to um, impose these, uh, this agenda on them without their input. And so uh, I just, in fact, talked with a mom in Rhode Island, and she, which is a very uh, left-wing democratic state, and yet she said that these parent groups are popping up all across Rhode Island to try and fight this ideological agenda. And I think that teachers can learn from that is that, yes, if they uh, uh, decide to just remain silent and not uh, band together and uh, organize, that they're going to you know, be run over by the ideolo- ideological activists who are in their ranks. But instead, if they decide to, um, you know, speak up, organize themselves, and uh, show that, hey, we actually are a majority of the teacher corps out there, then I think you, uh, they, they cannot then be railroaded into uh, teaching things that they don't believe in. And there are organizations out there. I have a good friend of mine named Rebecca Friedrichs, who uh, actually took the teacher unions to court over the issue of forced uh, union fees, uh, to, and they, her case reached the Supreme Court, but she's got an organization called For Kids and Country uh, that is aimed at uh, teachers who want to do the right thing and don't want to push politics in the classroom. And I think teachers should look at organizations like that uh, so that they uh, realize that they have support out there in a sport network and that they don't have to feel uh, afraid of being uh, able to uh, you know, speak up for their kids and for the parents. I love that idea. I love the teachers getting involved in other organizations, realizing that they're not alone. They're not fighting the battle alone. They don't have to feel helpless and alone just because they're in the classroom, surrounded by other activist teachers, the teachers' union, the administration, and more. Let's take a break here. we got to take a hard break. We're talking with Lance Izumi, Senior Director of the Center for Education at the Pacific Research Institute. You can find all their information at pacificresearch.org. When we come back, how we move forward, what we do to clean up the education system, homeschooling as well that many are involved in, and more. All that coming up on a pre-Friday celebration for the Voice of Reason. Stay here. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Andy Hoosier here, reminding you, not only can you listen to the Voice of Reason on your favorite radio station, but also check out the video of the program on TV and online. We're excited to be working with our partners over at OpsLens to bring the Voice of Reason live every day on their website at OpsLens.com, on the OpsLens app that you can download on any of your smartphones, or on any of the OpsLens social media. It's a great network that broadcasts multiple shows promoting truth, reason, and common sense, reaching thousands of viewers every day, all day long. Plus, while you're there, you can always watch some of the best highlights of the show during the weekends or read our latest opinion columns on topical issues of the day. Also, if you want to interact with me during the program, just leave a comment on their social media or the OpsLens app stream. You can always join the live chat rooms, or if it's easier, just email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com. Again, that's HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com. This is your show, and we want to hear from you. Why? Because it's time for you to be your own voice of reason in your own community. 
Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You want some more reason throughout the day? Well, now it's easier than ever to find. Here's what you do. Check out the website at HoosierReason.com. There you can find past shows, links to all of our social media, special features, our monthly blogs, and a heck of a lot more. Plus, make sure to check in frequently as we're constantly working to add more goodies that you'll really enjoy. Also, you can always subscribe and follow our social media sites for bonus content, articles that we use on the show, or maybe some additional rants. Yeah, it's all that and so much more. Check it all out at HoosierReason.com. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Wrap it up. Show for today. A few minutes left here on the program. Welcome in. Radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting all over the nation. By the way, our ending downloads of the podcast for the end of last month. Killing it. Thank you guys for that so much. Continuously listening, downloading the show, following us. We're growing every single month. We love it. We appreciate you very much. People in our industry, we don't say that enough, so thank you for that. We love you guys to death. No matter how you watch or listen to the program, we appreciate it. So tomorrow, I'm not going to have time to get into it today. Tomorrow, we'll touch on Nancy Pelosi testing positive for COVID-19. Uh-oh. I thought she was totally, like, vaccinated and boosted and everything else. Apparently, the second booster shot for the COVID-19 vaccine only protects you for just a couple of weeks. I mean, totally, totally a reason to get the booster shot. Makes all the sense in the world. Right now, though, we're talking some education with Lance Izumi. He's the senior director for the Center for Education at the Pacific Research Institute. Find him online at pacificresearch.org. Also, author of the book, The Homeschool Boom. As we get closer to elections, as we mentioned, Lance, and with the focus on education, which I love the fact that we're focusing on these issues, uh, the homeschool curriculums. There's a lot of homeschool curriculums right now because with such a frustration in the public education system right now, uh, as we talked about a little bit last time we had you on, homeschooling right now, a major boom all over the nation. That's absolutely right, Andy. And I think that one of the things that um, uh, the reason why you're seeing this explosion in homeschooling, where you have right now probably about one in five families across the country who is now homeschooling their children, which is a huge increase uh, in just a relatively short period of time, is the fact that many parents have seen that, first of all, if they're dissatisfied with the curriculum that in the schools that we've been talking about, uh, whether it's you know based on politics or the quality of the academics uh, in, in their school, there are literally hundreds of different uh, curriculum options that they can choose from, many of which are actually free. And so that I think that what parents are finding is that uh, not only can they, uh, when they decide to homeschool, can they put aside all the politics and indoctrination that uh, their kids are being force-fed in the regular public schools, but then they have this incredible 
panoply of uh, curriculum options at their fingertips that, from which they can choose. And I think that that is uh, a, a showing parents that they can individualize and personalize the instruction to the exact needs of their child. And, you know, it, it may even be that uh, your oldest kid may want a certain type of curriculum, but your uh, youngest child may have totally different needs. And because you're homeschooling, you can use a different type of curriculum for that uh, other child. You can have different types of curriculum even within your own family. That's something you can't get from a one-size-fits-all marching lockstep regular public school. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for the parents, of course, and for the families that can't do the homeschooling, the parents are working all day long. The kids are too young to be able to stay at home. There, as we've mentioned before, this revolution to really overhaul the education system. I mean, we just read the headline from Fox News about the uh, school board in Wisconsin. All three open seats went to Republicans that wanted to change, that were concerned about critical race theory, that were concerned about the mask mandates and COVID-19, that were concerned about the the, the sexual stuff that we had talked about before and the gender ID things. Uh, That's going to be... Maybe a focus as well, you think, with many just parents saying, I'm going to run for a local school board and just change the curriculum locally. No, absolutely right. You know, I've talked uh, with uh, parents who uh, have uh, are thinking about running for school board. I have talked with uh, those who are actually supporting them to get them uh, onto school boards to give that type of actual parent uh, uh, viewpoint on a school board, not to represent the special interests of the teachers' unions and all the others in the education establishment. And I think that what you're going to find is that uh, across the board, I mean, not just in red state areas, uh, you're going to find that a lot of these parent candidates are going to be running for school boards and that they are going to get the support because this isn't a red-blue issue. It's not a left-right issue. This is about, you know, people who are uh, across the political spectrum who are fed up with indoctrination, period, and they want their kids to get back to uh, learning the basics. And I think that you saw that in San Francisco uh, just a couple months ago when they recalled three of the ultra left-wing board members of the San Francisco school board. So this, San Francisco ain't Wisconsin. And yet you saw that same phenomenon. So if it happens in San Francisco, watch out because it's going to happen all across the country. Watch out. The times are changing, both with parents taking the matters into their own hands, homeschooling and changing the school boards all at the local levels, fighting the system, getting things back to where they need to be because we've seen what the progressive agenda does in the public education system. Lance Azumi with the Pacific Research Institute, pacificresearch.org. Lance, it's always a great time to talk to you, my friend. We love it. we got to get you back on the show again soon. Well, I can't wait for that time, uh, Andy. It'll be a great pleasure to talk to you and your audience. Always a pleasure, my friend. We'll do it again. That does it for us today. Podcast up in just a little bit. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst to change in your own community because that's what we're here to do. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth. And always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow for a Friday. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You know, when I get off the air every day, the battle for me against limited government, censorship, and even unfactual content is far from over. That's why now I'm so happy to say that the Hoosier Media Network is giving you more opportunity to catch The Voice of Reason along with other great shows and podcasts. It's been a long time in the works, and now you can finally enjoy more great content, services, and topical shows. We're the safe space for alternative talk, information, and ideas that the mainstream media absolutely hates. From holistic and alternative medicine, discussions on religion and spirituality, hear entertainment shows, and of course yours truly with the voice of reason. Plus, we offer numerous media services, including helping you set up your own podcast, become your own voice of reason, and bring your expertise to any fun issue or topic. 
For information on all of our shows, links to podcasts, each show website or social media link, or to find out about everything we do to challenge the mainstream establishment, visit our website at HoosierMedia.com. Again, that's HoosierMedia.com, the future of media.